In this episode, I will be flying solo as I take you on a tour of some of the other game rules that are available for Mithras, as well as providing you with a glimpse behind the scenes of the making of this podcast. So make sure your tables are in the upright position and fasten your seatbelts. Welcome to the Mithras Matters Podcast, Season 1, Episode 25, Flying Solo through rules and supplements. And welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I'm your host, Inwills, and welcome to June. Summer is on its way, and after just enjoying a long weekend because of a UK holiday last Monday, I am looking forward to the summer vacation where I get to concentrate and probably catch up on all my content creation and those playing sessions. Since I am flying solo this episode, you will have to endure my dulcet tones for the whole episode. But have you ever wondered how this podcast comes together? Well, let me give you a glimpse behind the scenes for a brief moment. Usually someone will contact me asking to be on the podcast or members of the design mechanism team put someone in touch with me to arrange an interview. Sometimes I have an idea that I would like to focus on myself and this is when I will feature some of the players from our current campaign. If interviews need to be arranged and recorded, I try to do this before the 20th of the month so that I can get it all edited before I start to write the script for the podcast. Sometimes, like this month, nothing comes my way into my inbox and so I start to think how I can solo the episode. Once the content is decided on, I script the whole podcast before moving across to Adobe Audition where I record each section. I actually give each paragraph or section a code. For example, this month's podcast, the sections are coded 25.1, 25.2, 25.0. You get the idea. I then record each section and save it with the code, making a note of anything I need to add using the section codes. Just out of interest, this section has the code 25.4. One of the advantages of having a script to read from is that I tend not to flounder over words so much. I also can use the script to provide a transcript of the podcast and the section codes are useful for setting chapter markers in post-production. 
once everything has been recorded, I actually try to do the recording all in one session so that the volume of the recording doesn't change much. Yes, I know, sometimes the volume is all over the place. But remember, I'm no audio engineer, as the variation might suggest. And I'm completely self-taught on the use of Adobe Audition and creating podcasts. It normally takes me about a couple of hours to edit everything together and then apply post-production effects such as hard limiters for those moments when I get super excited. And then I match the loudness across all the segments. I don't actually sit down and produce the whole podcast in, say, a day or two. It's probably spread over a month but the real work starts past the 20th of the month when I'm aware that the deadline is quickly approaching. Then after an episode is published, I start work on the next one. I must say that I'm so pleased that it's just once a month. If it was weekly, I would never keep up. So I hope that gives you a bit of an insight behind the scenes. Let's move on and let me tell you about M-Space in the campaign update segment. So you might have seen that we have decided to alternate the campaign we are adventuring in on our regular Saturday evening gaming session. After we finished a long series of adventures on the fantasy setting, we have now swapped to space using the M-Space rules. The video of us creating characters had more views than any of our fantasy actual play. I'm not sure if this is because it was focusing on character generation or because there's really an avid interest out there for a sci-fi campaign. I'm trying a new approach to creating the characters' backgrounds within this campaign. Hopefully it will work. I'm really lucky to have a group of players who are willing to try my often unusual ideas. One of the aspects of the M-Space rules that I'm really looking forward to implementing is the conflict system. I had play-tested something similar with the social conflict rules in the Mithras Companion, and I see where these social conflict rules might have originated from. I might get this wrong, since I've not actually played it yet, since I'm recording this before our, play our playing session tomorrow. But essentially, the conflict system is used where there is a conflict to be resolved between two opposing roles. For example, um, an example would be the classic stealth versus perception. Although I have actually used these conflict worlds to dig a probe out of a pile of sand. More on that later. So when a conflict is declared or started, the skills are decided on first and then a characteristic that will form the conflict pool. For the stealth conflict, this would naturally be stealth for the skill with an associated characteristic of dexterity versus the opponent's perception skill with the associated characteristic of intelligence. The associated characteristic is a conflict pool for each opponent. Okay, and this is going to be reduced as the conflict 
um, progresses. So using the opposed role system, the winner is decided upon and then damage is done to the opponent's conflict pool. Once the conflict pool is reduced to zero, that opponent has lost. Now, there are more rules for this system, but if you want to see them all, then go and buy M-Space. I must recommend the hardback version. It's especially nice. So I am planning to use this conflict system for a range of situations. Let's go back to the probe in the sand. The skill the characters will be using will be brawn. And for the probe, I've decided to give it a skill called Stuck in Sand of 25%. This was to reflect the possibility of sand shifting or flowing back into the hull. The conflict pool for the character would be an average of their strength and size, while the probe will have a conflict score of 50. Wait, you might be thinking, wow, that is high. But I want it to reflect that the probe is buried deeply in the sand. Maybe the players or the characters have just located it with a surface scan or seen an antennae poking out of this, the sand. The time for each um, conflict would be about 30 minutes, with the damage being 1d6. The probe can inflict damage as well. It's a stubborn probe but also the characters are getting tired. So you can probably see that the characters will, one character will have to dig, dig, dig away, reduce the conflict pool, then go off and rest when the next character um, comes in. So I think it really reflects the possible conflicts that can occur in games, but also the time periods involved. I've devised another conflict pool or conflict system for cracking the code from the probe as well. If you would like to see how they went, then do check out our actual play videos on my YouTube channel. Links are in the show notes. So one of the aspects I really like about the Mithras rule system is how it can be adapted to other settings. As we move from the fantasy setting to the sci-fi, some rules have changed slightly or new rules have been implemented, such as the conflict pool rules, but essentially the system is the same. The players will be swapping their swords for blasters, pew pew, but the combat is the same. So we are not having to learn a whole new combat system or a whole new gaming system. I've heard a lot about classic fantasy system from Mithras, but there are others that I have the rules for, but I've never managed to put into action. One of my favorite ones that I'm keen to play and develop is after the Vampire Wars. In order to tempt you, here's the blurb from the back of the book. The shadows have always been with us, and so have those who dwell within. The sorcerers, the fae, the lycanthropes, and the darkest of them all, the vampires. 
all have secretly lived alongside humanity, veiled from the mortal view for millennia. But now they are exposed to the light and the supernatural walk among us. Early in the 21st century, the US government discovered the existence of vampires and sought to eradicate them. Thus began the Vampire Wars, killing thousands and ended only by the triggering of a nuclear warhead. And now, after the Vampire Wars, the world must adjust to a new reality, one where vampires openly walk the streets, where lycanthropes prowl the urban centres and where sorcerers tout their services from strip malls. In After the Vampire Wars, you play the creatures of the shadows, seers, fae, lycanthropes, and of course, vampires. Each species has its own special powers and abilities, and some possess formidable magical and psychic talents. After the Vampire Wars adapts the Mithras rules to the contemporary era and the urban fantasy genre. It supports a wide range of campaign types, from the gritty to the fast and deadly cinematic adventure, from the whimsical urban fantasy to a passion-fueled paranormal romance. Vampires have always been a favourite of mine, and I like the idea of supernatural mixing with the mundane. It reminds me of the Shadowhunters books and films. I've also imagined that there would be a lot of legwork or investigation with these adventures. Although combat is always exciting, I do enjoy a good legwork session when information and clues are revealed and developed. I think this also allows for certain skills to be developed rather than all those points being ploughed into combat. So do you play after the Vampire Wars? Do you have the same attraction as I do to this supernatural genre? If you do, then let me know in the comments below. It'd be fantastic to hear from you. Luther Arkwright is another rule set that I have not yet played. I've read some of the graphical novels and I've even listened to a book on Audible. Um, other audio book services are available, I think. Luther Arkwright reminds me of a game that I used to play at university when I was a student. You are all probably far too young to remember this system and it was quite a, a niche system. It was called Time Master and I played a Greek soldier who was excellent at acrobatics. I really enjoyed playing the game mainly since I had an excellent GM who led us through the historical elements of the game. And this would be my concern about playing Luther Arkwright. Essentially, I'm a techie and I have very little, if any, knowledge of history and I'm assuming that some historical knowledge and understanding is needed to play these rules to the max. 
if you're not familiar with the system, then basically Luther Arkwright is part of a series of agents who can jump through time and are essentially trying to prevent certain nasty people deviating and altering the time continuum. I do use a supplement for some of the weapons um, since they from Luther Arkwright because they slide quite nicely into M space. Oh, and more about firearms later in the podcast. Now, if you would like to combine science fiction and mystery and base it in the 1920s, then there is the supplement called Odd Soot. Here is the back cover blurb for this setting. Tell stories you have never heard before. Humanity has reached the stars. An alien plague without a cure threatens civilization. Only a few tragic heroes can save mankind. Odd Soot is a role-playing game of mystery and investigation set on an alternative Earth in the 1920s. Mankind has travelled into space and found alien civilizations, but a disease called the soot spreads, driving those infected into madness, and they follow a twisted logic wreaking havoc around them. With odd soot, you can tell stories you've never heard before. You play deep, personal characters with impressive talents and tragic backgrounds. The setting is strangely familiar, combining alien worlds with the 1920s, full of mystery and unsolved enigmas. I hope some of you are very similar to me because every time I read one of these rule sets, I'm immediately inspired to start creating campaigns and adventures for them. Unfortunately, I don't have enough time during the week to actually play these sessions and rules. But if you were intrigued by the alien culture of um, Odd Soot, then and you would like to tackle more aliens, then there is, of course, the supplement Worlds United. Here's a little taster from the blurb. The Martians really did invade Earth in 1897, and again in 1938. Venus really is a lush jungle planet where dinosaurs still roam. Psionics are reality crystal technology, an everyday fact of life, rockets plough the space lanes between Mars, Earth, Venus and the asteroids, the year is 1959, Worlds United is a setting of planetary romance and pulp science fiction. Your characters are the adventurers and explorers, 
people of extraordinary abilities with drive and ambition to match. Here the gleaming alloy air cars of Jonesbeck era sci-fi are a reality. One really can sail the Martian canals or wrangle dinosaurs on Venus and there truly are wrecks of the Martian war tripods standing fearless, fearsomely tall in the Smithsonian. And the fear that the octopod Martians, unseen for generations, are once again drawing their plans to attack us. Worlds United takes in, you into 1959 with rockets, ray guns, dinosaurs and rip-roaring adventure. Well, that's another setting added to my ever-increasing list of campaign ideas. With superheroes coming to the Mithras family with Destined, I think we only need a cyberpunk setting similar to Shadowrun and Shadowrun Anarchy, and the family would be complete. Does anybody have any ideas for a cyberpunk out there? Has anything I've spoken to about today grabbed your attention? If it has, then definitely check out the settings wherever you usually buy your Mithras books. And if you do play any of these systems, then please do get in touch. I would really like to feature some of these alternative settings in a podcast. Right, before we go on, you might have noticed that I've left off classic fantasy. Well, that's another excellent addition to the Mithras family. And I would really appreciate it if people can get in touch with me so that I can do a complete episode on classic fantasy for this podcast. So yet again, do get in touch. I'm always looking for reviews or interviews with people. So if you are interested, you can email me on inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the various forums I frequent. Also, if you are interested, then remember you can watch my other content on my YouTube channel where I explain various aspects of the game in rules videos. I post actual play videos, both fantasy and M-Space now. And I talk about GMing in my series, The Gibbering GM. Likes, subs and comments are always gratefully received and I do try to reply to all the comments you post. Before I close this video, here are some updates from Loz, um, spoken by me, because I'm flying solo, like I said. Anyway, here's some updates. Great news, Mythic Babylon should be out this next weekend. You might have heard the pre-podcast advert for this, so do go out and look for it and buy it if you're interested to adventure in the Babylonian world. Also, a new combat module called Brace Yourself 
that deals with creature combat should be released at the end of June, beginning of July. And if you want to hear more about the combat modules, then check out episode 18, where I interview Dan True about the other combat modules which are available. And finally, as promised, there will be an update to Mithras Firearms, including a brand new layout. This is hoping to be released in June. So plenty of excellent resources on their way. And that's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. I hope you have managed to endure my dulcet tones for this episode. Next month's episode is still a mystery, so probably definitely worth coming back for. So until next time, have a great month of gaming and I will chat again to you all in July. Until then, I hope all your opposed worlds succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye. The content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. So please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you. If you stuck around right to the end of the episode, then I just wanted to say that this whole episode was recorded and the last segment was 25.20. That's quite a few segments. See you all later. Bye.